Hello, everybody. This is Coach Aaron Saft, and today I wanted to uh, to kind of do a recap of the Hellbender 100. Um, for those that don't know, I am the race director for our Western North Carolina 100-mile race that starts in Old Fort, North Carolina, and works its way up to the summit of Mount Mitchell and across the crest, <laughs> the crest, excuse me, uh, down to Colberts, and then kind of loops back around and finishes. Uh, back in Old Fort at Camp Greer. We got to start and finish at Camp Greer this year. It was wonderful. Um, I'm going to go through a race recap, but um, I had two very special guests, and I want to give them their due. Um, first up is the overall winner, um, our male winner, Jonathan Eibach. Um, he'll, uh, he has a great, great story. Um, did not use pacers. He had a one-person crew and his fiance Danny. Uh, tremendous, tremendous effort on Jonathan's part. I was just so proud of him. Finishing 22 hours, 53 minutes, and 57 seconds. Uh, second up will be our women's winner. <clears throat> she was third overall. Her name is Marissa Romeo. Her time was 26 hours, 15 minutes, and 31 seconds. Both incredible performances. Both are locals, which is just huge for our community. We love the fact that we had our locals up front. Um, and we'll, you know, at the end, again, I'll go through the race and talk about the race and uh, go through our top three overall, uh, how many finishes we had, the trials and tribulations, all of that stuff. But like I said, uh, I want to get to these two interviews first. So um, I interviewed Jonathan first. He happened to message me back and we scheduled first. So uh, in chronological, chronological order, it, it makes more sense uh, when you hear Marissa's conversation because I talk about having talked with Jonathan. So uh, Jonathan will be up first here and then uh, Marissa. So enjoy our conversations. I'm excited to have with me uh, this year's overall Hellbender 100 2022 race winner, Jonathan Ibach. <laughs> Jonathan Ibach, we were talking a bit before the show, but how are you doing? How are you recovering? Doing pretty good, honestly. Uh, yeah, recovery's gone maybe like the smoothest out of my like 400 finishes right now. Um, yeah, all, overall pretty good. I, I told you about my big toe stumbling down, heartbreak, uh, mile 90. I just kept kicking all these roots and it was just comically like bad so that toe is not doing great but my body's doing good and um obviously no running or anything yet but i'm excited to get back into moving around and finally feel rested and yeah hope you do too because obviously you you had a longer event than i did <laughs> jonathan completed the course this year which was slightly different. We've, we've never had the same course twice, <laughs> but uh, he completed the course in 22, 53, 57. Um, and uh, ironically enough, we have a sub 24 hour award of which Jonathan <laughs> makes. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> uh, if you follow Jonathan on his socials, you'll see uh, a cutout of North Carolina uh, in which Jonathan hand painted the uh, uh, sub 24 hour um, recognition. It's quite a beautiful award. Um, and, uh, Jonathan himself is an artist and does many awards for many different races aside from a ton of other projects. Um, so really <laughs> a great artist. Um, so if you haven't seen him or haven't followed him on social media, give him a follow there. Um, but Jonathan talk to us a little bit, um, going into this race, did you have any expectations? Yeah, so I, I definitely did. Um, so I ran it in 2018 and I guess I can touch on that first. Like that race was kind of a 
surprise to me in a lot of ways. It was my second hundred and my first set Penhody. Like, really, I mean, it, I finished, but I mean, I learned a lot of lessons there, and it didn't go great. So going into Hellbender, which it was such a tougher course, I mean, I really limited my expectations, but was really happy to find myself racing at the front and just kind of surprising myself throughout the day questioning like am i being a kind of an idiot running up here right now and <laughs> um but hellbender 2018 went so well that i was like well like maybe this is my strong suit just going longer and in the mountains so fast forward to four years later yeah this one was different because i suddenly did have expectations and uh uh more up or ambitious time goals i guess but as we learned with the weather and the mountains they're not always you sometimes you need to humble your expectations in terms of how well you're going to move to the mountains and certain conditions and uh, that was definitely the case at some points during this race um but no overall i mean i i definitely i mean winning the race is pretty incredible i mean hellbender is my absolute favorite race over my favorite trails and I mean, the community involved is just so special. And to know someone or a bunch of people at every aid station, every step of the way was pretty incredible. So I felt like I was definitely running for the community and not just myself and my fiance crewing me. I was running for her. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a blast. So even when things got tough, I was just committed to pushing myself. And yeah, winning was was really a dream so the time time goals were whatever but like winning is pretty special so it, yeah i'm super happy with how it went <laughs> yeah you should be um jonathan raced carl metzler in 2018 um jonathan took second to carl um what was it like uh, kind of leading up to the race you know um i'm not sure were you watching the entries on ultra sign up to to see who would be stepping to the line on on race day yeah. And yep. Um, myself and a lot of others were talking about how Carl was coming back and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, I was excited for a friendly rematch. You know, I felt like a rookie in many ways in when we first raced, um, and hearing about his race and people watching him through aid stations and just his experience and efficiency was like the big, maybe the, maybe the biggest takeaway I took from 2018. I mean, I just, I was so clueless. I was, stopping at aid stations and chatting and changing socks multiple times and shirts and just, but I was having a blast, but I, at the same time, I was wasting so much time. Um, I don't, I, who knows how much time I spent then in aid stations, I would guess it'd probably be an hour and a half to two hours, maybe. Um, so this time my goal was to be super efficient. Um, in many ways I was, but later in the race, I don't know, you know, it's so easy to spend a couple minutes in an aid station. Um, uh, but yeah, but the entrance list was, it's fun to kind of take a peek at that and imagine how the race might unfold. So uh, yeah, when Carl was not on the entrance list anymore, it was a bit of a bummer, but at the same time, like it's, you know, you minute to run my own race and have my own adventure. And, and honestly, uh, if he was there and running healthy, I don't, who knows how my race would have compared to his. So um, I'm maybe I'm lucky. I <laughs> got away with the win this time. So, um, but yeah, but it was, it's pretty special that he would sign up again and 
just shows how, I mean, he could run any hundred he wants, you know, and he does throughout the country. So uh, I know he's spoken highly of Hellbender and for him to want to come back <clears throat> just speaks highly of the race itself. So, which I think, yeah, I think word needs to get out about Hellbender even more. I mean, it's still such a young race and um, obviously having to skip a couple of years kind of slowed that down, but it's such a special course and a special place and a unique course. I mean, yeah, we can talk about the, climbs and just the terrain and the gnarly trails it's i don't think a lot of people know about it and know to expect it so um yeah it's just it's a winner for a race so that's why i was happy to do it again yes and uh jonathan and our women's winner marissa they're both locals to our area so they know these trails very well and it was wonderful having uh, both of our overall male and female winners um, be locals. That was very special to us. Um, and as Jonathan said, I, 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 even the runners, you know, when they finished, they, you know, some of the first things they said was, I didn't know to expect <laughs> that kind of climbing or, you know, I've never seen descents on the East coast that are that long. Um, you know, and a, a lot of times it was descents that really, you know, was the, was the difference for people's races, you know, like instead of, um, oh my God, there was so much climbing. It was more like, oh my God, there was so much descending. <laughs> um, mm. So um, let's talk about the, the differences in the courses. Um, you know, this year, obviously we started and finished at Camp Greer, which meant that we went out on Jarrett Creek Road um, out and back. Um, did you like the course change? Not like the course change? What'd you think? Um, I, I'd, I like the start for sure. I mean, the old, the old start was five miles in pavement. And, you know, I mean, that's a good chance for you to kind of get ahead on time because you're going to be going way slower otherwise later. Um, so, but this time I like to start, I mean, obviously we were on the pouring rain and <clears throat> super dense fog, um, but running on a nice rolling forest road was a good way to start. And you, you feel like you're already in the woods, even though it feels like you're taking a, you know, a path to the real trails, which heartbreak is the first of those uh, coming back. I, yeah, I wasn't, I knew I should have known what was to come because on the start, it's a gradual climb, but there were times where, I mean, I, I let the lead pack kind of go and they disappeared in the fog, but on the downhills, I kind of sped up and that's when I caught up to them before heartbreak. And uh, I should have realized that all those downhills would be uphills on the way back. But uh, yeah, mile 96, when you get on Jared Creek road and you essentially, I essentially thought of it as a 13 mile downhill from the top of, from the parkway to the finish um that those downhills were now a significant uphill on Jared creek and i was just so done and <laughs> ready to be finished and you're like well how does it keep going up and i mean i trusted my watch at that point i was like i know i have three miles to go like how are we still going up so hmm. but i mean you know that's just part of running and these races so but i love the fact that we don't have to really do any pavement i mean you really just have those tiny stretches of parkway i mean it's pretty and negligible culverts. so yeah. yeah it's all culverts yeah, yeah yeah so which you know i mean at that point of the race it can kind of be a relief but uh, uh but yeah I, I i do like the course i mean and finishing at camp career is awesome uh i wish i was able to stick around for probably a more lively finish that occurred in the daylight um <laughs> you know the finish to 100 is always kind of funny especially i guess at the front when you know there's all no crews have really arrived yet from other runners and you know it's just the small group of us in the middle of the night which is really special too but 
Um, I think Kim Career is such a cool venue. So to be able to start and finish there is awesome. So glad glad you guys were able to work that out this year. I know it was a huge surprise when I heard that it was going to happen. So yeah, yeah, but, uh, it was. It was uh, I'm I'm very happy with with how it worked out logistically. It's it's so much nicer. Um, but let's talk about. You said uh, you caught up the lead pack uh, right at the beginning of the climb of Heartbreak. Did you take the lead from there, or how did that go from that point? Uh, so there, I cut up to um, Will, Chris, and Miller, and all of which, like I expect, I mean, all super strong runners, and I, I figured we might have a lead pack for a long time. And um, we had a really nice chat, and we went up Heartbreak, and I, I was in second behind Will, but at some point. And this was, it was dense fog all the way up. We never, I thought we'd get a view at Pinnacle at 5,600 feet. You know, I thought we'd have that blanket of clouds and just never got there. I mean, it was just so dense fog all the way up. And uh, so Will and I actually separated ourselves from Chris and Miller. And then, yeah, it wasn't until about mile 11, right before Pinnacle, um, that I went around Will. And, and, you know, then you just get, you can't help it. You get that like jolt of like, oh my God, I'm at the front. Like, how do I stay calm? You know, it's <laughs> a long way to go, but I mean, I definitely kind of, that's when I felt like the race kind of started, even though it's way too early for the race to start. <laughs> um, but yeah, but from then on, uh, yeah, I was on my own. So uh, it was a long, long day, but the, but the people in the aid stations and my fiance were, were the people I was so happy to see and kept me brief company but <laughs> company company nonetheless so and you chose to go pacerless uh what what was the thought pattern behind that yeah uh so i have i'm still yet to have a pacer um i feel like early on i just had this guilt and like asking someone to commit <laughs> themselves com- commit themselves to my race and i mean but more the more i see with the trailing community it's people are more than happy to jump in but at this point i, I just kind of I kind of just embrace the individual challenge and journey of it. And um, there, there were definitely times later in the race where I realized I wasn't moving well and especially downhill, like could have maybe run a little more, maybe someone being there could have, you know, pushed me on onward, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I mostly train on my own. I love being out in the woods and I just kind of, I've always embraced the mental challenge of that. So and I think I told you, like, I, I finally, I eventually turned to music, especially like when night falls and, uh, um, I listen to a lot of like long form, like live shows that are just like, they kind of put me in the zone. So, uh, yeah, that kind of becomes my pacer. So, um, but yeah, maybe one day I'll give it a go, but I don't, I've had success with my <laughs> yeah going on my own but but crew i've come i've definitely come to appreciate so because 2018 i went with no crew and you know trying to find your drop bag on your own it's pretty tricky so having a crew that's just waiting there ready with everything you need is a huge help so yeah absolutely um the weather was a factor this year for many people um did it affect you in any way and if so how so yeah i was to be honest, I was not looking forward to the forecasts. Uh, I'm definitely, I, admittedly, I do not enjoy running in the rain. Like I will, I'll watch the radar before my run and delay it an hour if I have to. I'll, I'll skip the storm and 
So with this one, it, it was becoming pretty clear five days out from the race that it was coming. And uh, I was looking at future cast radar and trying to pinpoint when all the storms might hit. But of course, that's always changing and it's not really predictable, especially in the mountains. And um, But so my, I assumed it would come around like 5 p.m. on Friday. Uh, that was just like the main line. I think it ended up being like six or seven. And my goal was to get through the crest and off of Buncombe, like to get in little elevations. But, uh, but I actually, we had got three rounds of storms. We got one right at the start and luckily that was pretty brief. Um, but it was, you know, stepping out into a downpour at the start of a hundred. So you're soaking wet and a little chilly right before you even started the race. It's a little unnerving and, but we had great weather until I think one o'clock. I was very surprised to be getting up on Mitchell and I heard the first thunder roll in and uh, yeah, just absolute downpour opened up on me as I was getting to about 6,000 feet and pulled out the rain shell, which that thing was, I've never really relied on it so much. I mean, I knew I would just stay soaking wet, but the, it just really traps your body heat. And as long as you keep moving, you build that body heat and you stay warm. Um, so yeah, I got up on Mitchell and I remember, you know, you get to the A stations first, they're not totally set up. Uh, like they're not, you know, they're, you're the first runner. I was like, do you guys have any broth? And he was like, oh yeah, I think. And, uh, he went over, he's like, oh, this is coffee. I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep moving. Like, I just got to stay warm. <laughs> I want to get off this mountain. And, um, but yeah, the part that follows there, the crest trail, which happens to be my favorite trail, um, it's just so unique and tough and being soaking wet like that made it extra tough. I mean, you just, you're slipping down five foot rock faces every 50 yards or so. And, you know, there's a little rope section. And, um, that was tough. You know, I mean, it's essentially you're going on some flat miles at times, you know, rolling Hills, but I, I know I was lucky to put down like 20 minute miles there. So it, it can be a little, frustrating but you just have to keep moving and um yeah by the time i got down Colbert's, it was sunny and probably 70 degrees so we at least we had breaks and low elevations were warm so um but yeah then i got the second the third round of storms happened as i was coming down Buncombe. but as i learned later that's when you know a, a big majority of the middle to the back back of the pack runners were up on the crest and got their the hail and 50 mile an hour winds and just really felt for them being up there and the people that pushed through that. It's just incredible. So the weather definitely added a dynamic this year. So because 2018, we had perfect weather, you know, it was mm -hmm. 70 degrees, I think sunny and totally dry, dry trails. So this year was definitely tougher in that regard, but. Um, we also, we use the system live trails. Um, were you asking your fiance at all? Um, was she checking that to see where second was or when they were expected? Yeah, she did. She was able to check it a couple times, but when she was waiting, um, in certain places, she didn't have signal to, but she was able to get info from volunteers. And I heard pretty early on. I mean, I, I definitely, I pushed the first 30 miles a good bit and I start sort of had to pay for that with some stomach issues and had to slow down for a while. But at that point, I think I'd already had a 30 minute gap. And uh, I think I kind of maintained that. And I think it was Neil. She found out at Neil's, maybe I had 45 minutes or so, but 
Um, so that was about all I could get. And then the last cruise spot is Curtis Creek at mile 76. And then you have 25 miles on your own. And a lot can happen in 25 miles at the end of a mountainous hundred. And when I was going, you know, a few minutes slower per mile than I wanted to, I was like, man, that 45 minutes could get eaten up real quickly if someone, and I didn't know who had dropped out yet or what. I mean, because there were some super strong runners in the field this year. Like if just one of those runners is to like really paced themselves and uh, took their time and is now surging, like I just didn't want to be the guy that led the race for 80, <laughs> 85 miles and got caught at the end. So I was running pretty scared and uh, which was good. I kind of psyched myself out into running a little faster where I otherwise I could have easily walked down Jarrett Creek Road, you know, but I forced the best shuffle I could. Um, so it wasn't until I turned onto the trail into Greer, which was less than a mile ago. I was like, I don't see any lights in the distance behind me. I was like, I think I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I didn't find out the actual gap until we finished. So, which is good. It's nice to be in the dark to some extent. So right on, but, and- but the live trails is great. And my family and friends were all phone along. And when I caught up later and yeah, so all their messages of them chatting the whole time. All right, he's mm-hmm. he got to this point and that point. I mean, it's it's such a cool aspect of the race for people to follow along. <clears throat> so yeah, that's cool. Um, any type of gear that you didn't have that you wish you had, or that you would say if you're going to run this race, um, you know, these are some musts. Um, I don't know that I. I generally feel like I have too much stuff. Like my pack is pretty heavy, but I really, uh, really tried to have a lot of fluids with me. And this year, something new I, I did was have, I had a water filter in 2018, but I had like a Sawyer, like real slow filter. And this year I had the Bee Free that just screws right on top of the bottle. I had that just kind of stowed in my pack and, uh, so, I mean, there were times where it was hot and I was dehydrated and relied on that. I filtered coming up bunkum, but I mean, had it been a warm day, like the day before and Thursday when it was 80 degrees, I mean, I would have been relying on that heavily. So I still think going forward, if the next year's race is warm and sunny, like people need to be cognizant of the gaps between the eight stations. I mean, it might just be eight miles, but that eight miles could take two to three hours. So that's that's a lot of hydration you might need so uh, yeah water filter is pretty crucial um but yeah i was a little worried i might get cold which i did at times but that rain chill was really good so as long as i kept moving i was fine um but yeah i don't know i mean my hiking poles are my my crutches at times you know Mm -hmm. like i mean there are times where i'm like i don't really need these like on the flatter parts the runnable parts but other times, I mean, I literally tripped and was falling, like flying forward. And I happened to have a pole out that caught me and saved me. Um, so, and for downhills, poles are really crucial. Um, just that, that Colbert's descent from, I think, Potato Hills, the last, last peak on the crest, you go from 6,400 to 2,700. I mean, that almost 4,000 foot drop is crazy in the middle of the race. So. Uh, to me, poles help a lot more downhill. They just, I can, the more weight I can put on those, on my arms, the more I'm taking off of my legs. So, um, but no, overall, I think, yeah, I had, had the gear I needed this year and 
What yeah, I didn't have. The, didn't, yeah, I was gonna say, what about in the fog, um, or lighting? Um, how did you deal with that? So uh, for the for the start, I just went with um, just headlamp. And it's funny, I almost want to like tell other runners about this. There's this like Amazon headlamp I get. It's like 15 bucks, <laughs> but it's like 500 lumens. It's uh, rechargeable, uh, micro USB thing lasts like four hours. I just have like three of those and they, they weigh like nothing. So uh, I just had just one of those with a backup in my pack uh, for the start because it was only going to be dark for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, in the fog, that light only helps so much you're really only able to see just in front of your feet um but for the nighttime i i go with uh, i've got the ultra aspire like 800 lumen light um so i wear that around <clears throat> around my pack actually um i don't kind of bothers my waist or whatever so i wear that which you know just really casts a nice shadow but then coming down jerry creek that thing uh started dying <laughs> started blinking and <laughs> I really, I just didn't want to fumble through my pack for my backup headlamp, but I, I had to, my lights were dying with like four miles to go. So, oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really, that ultra spire lights great having the, the combo, um, yeah. really cast a nice beam. So no, cool. that's what I went with for the night. And then how much you said you had a, you know, pretty heavy pack. <laughs> what was the the size capacity of your pack? Was it like a 12 liter or do you know? Yeah. I think I have the Solomon like okay, skin, the, yeah. whatever, right, uh, skin 12. 12 liter. Yeah. I love that thing. I mean, it's, it's so comfortable for how much I had packed. I mean, cause most of the weight was in my, uh, my liquids. And then I pretty much rely exclusively on goo roctane and I pre-portion 200 calories in little baggies. Um, so I don't really need those baggies between crew spots, but for the bigger gaps, I'll have like 10 of those little baggies. Um, so I don't know if that adds a lot of weight, but it's definitely more volume. Um, but yeah, that pack, I mean, it just holds so much and stays comfortable even with how much I have in it. Um, so just be careful, uh, on Colbert's when you're running <laughs> in front of those cops and you pull out those little baggies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. It, it always looks hilarious when I'm prepping for the race and I'm just, I'm lining out like 30 baggies of white powder. It's, it looks pretty bad, but it, <laughs> it turns purple though. So it's, I don't <laughs> uh, too funny. Awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you came to camp Greer, um, about just before 3 AM. Um, man that was um it was so great to see your headlamp coming in i was so excited because uh victor mm-hmm. had texted me i guess he saw you up um uh, where did he see you on the parkway maybe um i forget where the last point was he texted me he's like he's coming in i was like when he's like he should be in before one o'clock i'm like before one o'clock and, you know oh, wow. is like <laughs> right, right before three so you know i just i went over to you know set up the finish and everything and then we just kind of hung out and like I said, it was just so great to see your headlamp coming in and knowing it was you. Uh, it was so exciting. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, we it was had extra it, special. Oh yeah, we we had that little powwow there. I mean, like you said, there's not a yeah a huge crowd in the middle of the night, but um, yeah. You know, well, uh, and something definitely new to me. Uh, someone offered use of the shower in one of the cabins. So <laughs> ten minutes after a hundred, I was showered and clean and like in warm clothes. So that was pretty incredible because I was had been soaking wet for 24 hours basically like that was pretty cool (laughs) um but yeah that was it doesn't matter how small the finish line is 
like it's just that extra special and to have you guys and abby and sam there like which he you know he's got the fastest time on the course but he was so excited to cheer me on and he wants to see someone run really fast and uh he was really encouraging through different points of the race um yeah, it was just awesome it's just overwhelming like having that many people all along the course uh that you know and they know you and it just makes it so fun so it was a blast and happy to represent the area and uh just want word to get out about this race because it's so unique i mean it's still funny looking at the elevation profile i mean it's it's really only seven climbs like um, for twenty four thousand feet like it's it's so unique to the east coast and yeah, people need to come give it a go or at least just come over and run in the Black Mountains and see these trails and see how technical they are. So they are, they will humble you for sure. So, yeah. We're, we're a few days after the race. Uh, are you already thinking about coming back for next year? Uh, I, I might need to skip a year, but we'll, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I, I volunteered in 2019 and that was such a blast. So um, I want to be involved in some capacity of the race. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I probably would run it again at some point, you know, right now it's a little hard to think about it. Cause that was, you know, it's just so brutal. It's amazing how <laughs> you, what you put yourself through and you somehow just forget all the torture. Those like last five hours of just agony. You're just two days later, you're like, Oh, that was, that was fun. That was good. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I imagine running it again one day, just cause you know, being a part of it, you, you know, they might get a little FOMO not being actually in the event, but volunteering is such a blast too. And I can't wait to, you know, having so much course knowledge and experience with it. I mean, uh, it's fun to help the runners with that too. Let them know what's coming or sure what they might need. And, uh, yeah. So I just hope to be a part of it and see it continue. And thanks to all your hard work. It's oh, yeah happened again and we, we appreciate everything you do for it. That's uh, I, I can't congratulate you enough, man. I was like I said, it was just <laughs> phenomenal to know you were coming across the line first. I was so happy for you. Uh, Will Weedman in second. Um, and then, uh, let's see, actually, Marissa was third overall. Uh, yeah, super, oh, super absolutely amazing. killed it. Yeah, um, she almost so. beat the course record for the women. I mean, right, and what right. seemed to be a slower year, but um, it's, yeah, it, I, the, 26 we're, we're guessing it's about 30 minutes slower than uh than yeah. the previous which kind of works out you know your time from 2018 compared to uh mm-hmm. uh this past year was you know very close to that you know 30 minute mark so that's what we're saying and i mean we're getting everybody's getting around 101 i think marissa's watch actually showed 107 but um yeah someone someone crazy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so that. we're we're we uh everything we plugged it into was right around you know that 101 to 103 so we're calling it 102 <laughs> um yeah but, there you go yeah and then we had some great elevation readings too what did you end up getting for elevation uh just a little under 24 okay um yeah my i love my coros uh it's been super accurate for yeah. you know all my longer runs this is the first time we're on bunk on it went way off for just a little bit uh, <laughs> and then and then went zoop, right back to the trail so <laughs> So it might have some wonky stuff there, but overall, uh, yeah. seemed pretty accurate. Good. Right at like 101 with 20, yeah, almost 24,000. So, yeah. but I, I really, that elevation is deceptive, you know, to do the technicality of the trails. And I think if there's one more thing I'll say about the course, like it's just, it's so front loaded with 
climbing and technicality. Uh, I mean, I, at 51 miles, I had 17,000 feet on my watch, you know? Mm-hmm. So if it, yeah. if it was an out and back, you, it, this race would be <laughs> just unbelievably hard. And I'm grateful it isn't that. Um, Cause that second 50 miles, you know, it's only got 7,000 feet of climbing with a net downhill. So if runners can just survive the crest and get back on bunkum, there's just so much room there to move efficiently and make up some time and not be frustrated by how slow the previous part took. And so in that way, it's a great course. It's such a good mixture of toughness and beauty and a little reprieve with runnable trails and forest roads. And so I, it's just perfect, perfect by design to me. So. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Uh, any other last, uh, last words? No, I just, <laughs> yeah, I would just rec- can't recommend it highly enough. It's a great event and the community and people that put it on just take it to another level. So it's, I absolutely recommend it and hope to see it sell out instantly. And I'll, <laughs> I'll hopefully be out there on the course cheering people on. So uh, Jonathan, congratulations once again, man. So proud of you. So happy for you. Um, can't wait to hear what's, what's next for you. I know you, you need a little break, but <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm signed up for run rabbit run, um, which Ooh. is only a four short months away. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, <laughs> uh, right now the priority is a wedding in August with Danielle where that's what we're all focused on. So <laughs> training, will just kind of have to fill in where it can, and I'm not worried about it. I, I feel like I'm generally undertrained anyways. So um, when we get there, we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited to get out into some Western mountains too. And, um, but yeah, we got a busy summer ahead of us. So that's, cool. that's what's next. Yeah. Congratulations so. to you and Danny. That's tremendous. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you got to meet her. She got to meet you. So. Yes. All right, man. Thank you for your time too. Uh, oh, thank you so much. Well, once again, congratulations to Jonathan Eibach. A tremendous race. Uh, So happy for Jonathan. Uh, Such a great guy. Uh, And my next conversation is with Marissa. And Marissa, equally kind and just very, very uh, passionate about our sport. Uh, I loved hearing her her thoughts and her her process through this race, how the race unfolded. So uh, here we go with Marissa's conversation. This conversation is with women's winner and third overall, Marissa Romeo. Marissa, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Aaron? <laughs> I'm, I'm smiling and uh, I've got some sleep, so I'm <laughs> I'm much better. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. how is your re- oh, I'm sorry. How is your recovery process? Um, it's going well so far. Like I was dead after the race, as everyone saw. <laughs> um, and now, yeah, just kind of getting infiltrated back to regular life and I'm, I've been very busy which has been good it's just kind of kept me focused on you know work and that sort of thing so not too good. bad good yeah. what is uh what does recovery look like for you what do you do anything specific um, try to kind of reduce as much stress as possible uh yeah I I have a busy stressful lifestyle so after a race just trying to reduce that as much as I can whether it's through work like the mental stress or physically just like I know I need active recovery so I my body likes to move but very slowly and you know listening to my body and being intuitive um eating and sleeping are two big ones for me too so food has been really weird like I didn't get hungry till yesterday um 
but now it's hit me and I just like want really random things. Um, <laughs> like cheese sounds really good. <laughs> um, and fruit sounds really good. So I'm like, I'm going to go get that and just, yeah, kind of be an intuitive listening to my body. That's the biggest thing. Nice. And, yeah. uh, have you gone out for any like purposeful hikes or I know you, um, you ride as well. Um, anything like that yet? Yeah, I did a walk on, I've done a few walks. Um, so yeah, yesterday I went on like an hour hike and I walked throughout my day at work and I'm super active. Um, so that's, I have to carry a bunch of heavy weights at the gym. <laughs> so that's always fun. So that was kind of a good active day. And then yeah, a walk on today is, I don't even know. Wednesday. Tuesday, yep, so Wednesday. <laughs> Monday went on a walk as well, but the weekend was just kind of sedentary, which don't know if that was the best for my legs, but I needed it. <laughs> yeah. 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 The so. big, the big job is done. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and congrats on that. Um, so let's go back. Uh, let's talk a little bit about leading into, to hellbender. Um, can you talk a bit about your training? Uh, what were some of your focuses? Uh, did you have any buildup races, anything like that? Yeah. Good question. Um, so I, I decided on hellbender, I think I decided on it like when when the registration date opened, which was that November? November. Or, yep. Yeah, I signed up that day. So I knew well in advance that I wanted to do this race, um, had my eyes on it. And I was self-coached all of last year, but I decided to hire a coach. Um, I tend to overtrain and burn out and I can't control myself. And I knew <laughs> I needed accountability if I was going to come and start line healthy. So yeah, I hired a coach and we worked together over the six months and the sole focus was Hellbender. Um, and yeah, training was very periodized for sure. Um, specific to Hellbender, you know, like the first couple months focused on VO2 max, low volume, high intensity, that sort of thing. Um, then kind of move into a couple tempo blocks, higher volume. And then the last two months were very specific towards Hellbender. Um, I did a course preview weekend actually, which I think was the biggest confidence booster uh, for me um, going to the race where I did the full course um, over three days, back to back to back all by myself. So that was really the confidence booster I needed going to the race, but that's kind of the skeleton of what training looked like. But of course, day to day, lots of subjective feedback, working together with like Hey, like, I think I need a recovery day and trying to be really intuitive and trying to actually push myself in the workouts, which is something I'm not used to. Um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of strength work as well on the side and live an active lifestyle, but that's kind of the skeleton of what it looked like. Right on. Do you want to give your yeah. coach a shout out? Who's your coach? Yeah. Ryan Anderson. He's a oh, yeah. success coach. Yeah. <laughs> I know he knows you. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's great. So Absolutely. yeah, I did a lot of research before I decided on a coach, but he it's cool that he's in the East coast. I definitely want someone in the East coast. So yeah. worked out super well. I'm super thankful for him putting up with me over the past six months. <laughs> I have lots of questions and yeah. like, can I do more? Can I do more? So yeah. <laughs> Ryan is a fantastic coach over there at, at CTS. Uh, he actually messaged me after the race, uh, which was really nice. Um, yeah. as when I was calculating, I had, uh, 12 athletes in hellbender. <laughs> so I had, wow. um, uh, we'll say about 10% of the field. <laughs> That's impressive. That yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong when the race director is your coach. Say. <laughs> you know, the ins and outs of everything. <laughs> oh man. But oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad Ryan gave you that, that, uh, that guidance. Um, 
And then, so uh, obviously, um, you know, you said you had the confidence going into the race. Um, did you have a race plan? Was there a time in mind or was it more just be competitive? Um, I'd say I definitely set goals for myself. Um, I had outcome goals and process goals and my focus was, you know, process leads to outcome. So my outcome goals were to win, um, for the female race. Um, I knew I was capable of winning and I know that if I'm capable of something, why not give it a shot? Why not go for it? So that was kind of my number one goal. And then, yeah, my time goal was 24 to 26 hours and I missed it by 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> but I, I did give myself some grace with that because it was my first hundred and I don't know, like I'm, I set extremely high expectations for myself, but, and I knew I could have done that 26, but ugh, I ended and I gave it my all at the finish line. So you sure did. <laughs> I don't have any regrets, but I have so many things I want to work on for the next time. So <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about some of those things as well, but yeah. let's go back to the fact that this was your first hundred. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was, that's, it's incredible that this was your first hundred. Um, and what did that, uh, in your mind, like, was there any, um, trepidation, uh, intimidation, anything by the fact that this was your first hundred? Oh my God. So intimidated. <laughs> I can't even tell you, like I, you know, I said I signed up for the race like on November 1st when it opened, but you know, and when, when I sign up for something, I'm all in. Like that is my focus, that is my goal. I can't, I can't half-ass something. Like that's what I do. So anyway, I it took a lot of courage to sign up. Um, I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, who knows if they can do 100 when they sign up for their first? It's yeah. such a unknown thing. And I think I'm one of those people who if I want, if I want to do something like, let's say a 50 miler, like I'll do a 40 miler and be like, Oh, I can, if I do a 40, I can do 50 or okay. If I did a 50 K I'm pretty sure I can do 50, but a hundred is a big leap. So very intimidating, very scary, but that's why I did it. And I think that's why we all do these ultras. I mean, that's the whole point of it. Right. So yeah, scary, but like so excited at the same time to just see what's possible and what I'm capable of really just really, I'm a very curious person. So I'm like, what, what's going to happen in those last miles? Like, where am I going to hit the wall? Like, how am I going to respond? I'm very curious about that stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what was your uh, furthest distance prior to Hellbender? It was Pitchell. So okay. that was way back in feels like ages ago, maybe 2019 or I forget when I did Pitchell, but it was like 62 miles or something like that. And then yeah, I did a handful of like fifties. I did like Georgia loop, which was a pretty intense, like 55 ish miler, um, a race called B mutt. So lots of fifties. And I got very comfortable with that distance. I don't necessarily feel like I mastered it. I mean, you can't really master an ultra, but I really felt comfortable with that. And yeah, it's like, okay, the next step is something really scary. So that would be hundred. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for those that aren't familiar with Pitchell, um, that is uh, a course right here in Western North Carolina, where we start at Mount Pisgah and we follow the mountain sea trail all the way to Mount Mitchell. Um, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like 16,000 feet of gain. Does that sound right? Yeah. Range of like 14 to 16. Yeah. Yeah. Different. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of one of our, um, you know, staple courses here in, in Western North Carolina that a lot of people try to accomplish, um, but uh, Adam Hill had created that originally. It's a uh, it's an amazing course. Um, so um, incredible. 
Um, so race morning, you're looking at the, uh, the weather We're we're standing under the pavilion. Uh, the rain is dousing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any, any thoughts going through your head? So freaking excited. <laughs> I live for crappy weather, gnarly trails, <laughs> wet rocks and mud. So I don't know. I, I didn't let any of that get to my head. It just got me more stoked. It's just like, this is why we do these things. It's going to be hard where we can't control the weather, you know, right. of yeah. course, the one day that it storms at like two 30 in the morning is race right. day. I was like, Oh, I bet Aaron's so mad. <laughs> and we but, woke up to it and I was just like, yeah. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, you know, I think it, it just added to the challenge of like a super hard hundred, you know, but for me, I was just, I just get very focused and in the zone that nothing matters besides, you know, getting from point A to point B. So I was just like super pumped, super excited. The energy was really good. I feel like in the pavilion too, everyone was talking and, you know, your pre-race speech was good. I feel like you literally felt like we were a bunch of your children and you <laughs> let us out in yes. danger. So that was very comforting. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it is. I mean, you know, that's exactly what I said. It's, it's like releasing 125 of my kids out in the woods and just saying, come back safe. Because uh, mm -hmm. the whole time, that's that's all you do is worry. You know, it, it just you don't want anybody to get hurt or worse, right? And then you know some of those conditions, especially up on Mitchell, were horrendous. And you know, I had communications coming in, and that's you know I'll, I'll talk about it in in the you know my my piece of this uh, podcast. But man, I, I just worried about you guys. And you know, you're like, do they have enough gear? You know, I got. I hope they have their you know the rain shells, and you know that they're they're warm enough and. Um, you know, when the reports were coming in that we had runners that were just, you know, getting towards hypothermia, it was like, all right, you know, like, how are we going to resolve this? So it was just, it was a lot of problem solving, but yeah, thankfully nobody got hurt. Nobody was, was seriously injured or hospitalized or anything like that. It's just, especially after that, that China incident, you know, you just, like, oh my God, it's just like, I have that article next to my bed. <laughs> I literally walk yeah. past it every day and just. I'm thinking in my head, is there something else I can do? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I, we got you guys started. Uh, off you go. Uh, this year, we got to start out of Camp Greer, which is awesome. Um, I know you didn't get to do the, the road section in the past, but you know, having mm -hmm. you guys go out on the trail was, was pretty cool. So, um, you know, talk about those first few miles. What was, what was the, uh, the sense, what was, you know, going around around you and, and, you know, where, where'd you find yourself going into, to heartbreak that first climb? Yeah. So, um, the one section of the course I had never done was those first 0.6 miles, <laughs> you know, that little single track. Yes. So that <laughs> right. was kind of exciting. It was just like, Ooh, new trail. Um, <laughs> so yeah, definitely my focus I'd say for that first section from yeah, camp career to bottom of heartbreak was just be patient, be present, like don't get caught up in anyone else's race. Um, and yeah, I let a bunch of, I, I kind of started at the front cause I just like to know how, you know, who's in front of me. Um, I just, I need to know that it's part of my mentality. So anyway, yeah, there were a few people passing me in front of me. Of course, all the fast guys just, you know, went ahead and, <laughs> um, you know, that little single track was fun, a little muddy. Um, and then yeah, Jarrett, you know, once I hit Jarrett, I had in my mind that that was going to be like the warm up. I was like, this is my warm up for heartbreak. Um, and I took it really, really slow and easy. Um, people passed me, which usually gets me really fired up and pisses me off, but <laughs> I did not let it get to my head. I was just like, you know, be patient, be patient. Um, you know, be strongest, the longest. I had a lot of kind of things rolling around in my head, but that was the focus. Just stick to my eating plan, stick to my nutrition and hydration and don't get caught up in what anybody else is doing. So I probably came into that first aid station 
I know as like the second or third female, there are a couple females around and I feel like there were a bunch of guys ahead of, ahead of us, like 20 or I don't even know, but there were, I was like, oh man, like there's a bunch of people ahead. Um, and yeah, I actually, I did not stop at the first aid. Um, I had enough water to get me to, to pinnacle. So yeah, I just kind of ran through it and off we went up heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How was the, um, Jonathan talked to me about the fog. Um, yeah. how, uh, how did you deal with it with lighting and stuff? I'm always curious as to hear. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't notice the fog that much. I don't think, um, yeah, maybe I was just so in my zone, but <laughs> I had a waist lamp and a headlamp. So Perfect. there's this, yeah, there's this waist lamp, um, company called light belt and my coach told me about it. Um, and it is phenomenal. That thing, I had two of them and I would switch them out and it just, you know, if you have a waist lamp and a headlamp, it just provides so much more. So I think, it just really lit up my world in front of me and I was able to just kind of focus on the trail, but the fog didn't bug me that much. Um, yeah, it wasn't too much of a bother. Good. Good. Yeah. I mean, the, the belts are, you know, they're the key in the fog because they give you that depth perception and that lower, mm-hmm. lower you know, lighting level. Otherwise, if you keep that headlamp up high, it's just gives you kind of a halo in front yes. of you. So I've um, experienced that and that is so fun. <laughs> right. You get really like, woo. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, going up the, the heartbreak climb to Pinnacle, um, everything's feeling good? No. No. <laughs> so <laughs> good question. Yeah, I felt good on Jarrett, like super chill and easy. It's so weird. After I taper or like rest, my legs feel like such trash. Like they get so stale. And mm. like I did some like workouts and pickups in the weeks leading up, but like my legs were just like, oh, I, it's one of those days where like, oh, I left my climbing legs at home. Um, yeah. And it also, it takes me a long time to get warmed up. And I think I was just getting warmed up, getting used to it. So I didn't think much into it, but my legs just didn't feel like their normal, fresh, bouncy self, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I mean, I still kept a good intensity, I think just kind of stuck to my, you know, RP five was my focus. Um, yeah. And just hiked pretty much all heartbreak except for those little, you know, rollers that you can run. It's more efficient to run, but yeah, hiked the whole thing kind of regretted not having my poles because my legs were feeling just achy, Mm. but I knew it would pass. I just had to be patient, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't one of the best climbs, honestly, okay. <laughs> for my legs. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Did you, when did you pick up your poles? Picked up my poles at the bottom of Mitchell and I was so excited to have them. Gosh, I wish I had them for Snooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snooks was gotcha. rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's tough carrying them from the start, but it, I, I think it's worth it, especially like I said, for, you know, heartbreak and then Snooks. I mean, that's definitely. Yes. One with, you Lesson know. learned. It was, <laughs> it was exciting. Cause it was kind of like, Oh, I get to have, I get to use my poles. Like it was mm-hmm. something to look forward to, right. but at the same time, I think it would have been helpful going up snooks, but that's why we do these things. To learn yeah, our lesson. You learn. Yep. That, there's yep. lesson one. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and going back to what you said about the taper, um, you know, I think the taper is like one of those things that people often have at such a hard time because they just reduce volume um, and they don't um, understand what's going on with the body when you just reduce volume. Um, it's the, what the best way I've been explained is if we look at it as a balancing of the scales, okay. On the one side, you have your volume. And then on the other side, you have your speed. And so when the scales start tipping and you're like, um, on the volume side, your legs are, um, 
they're feeling too good. Like you're feeling zippy all the time and you just want to run fast. That's when you add more volume. So you tip the scale towards the volume side by adding some more time to your runs. On the other side of the spectrum, if they're feeling lethargic, that's when you want to add some, you know, some speed and that can just be one minute surges. It can just be some strides some hill repeats and stuff like that, but that balances the scales and kind of keeps the taper in line. So you don't get that lethargic feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people talk about that lethargic feeling because they've just tapered off and it's just, they haven't created that balance. So just for, for everybody out there, (laughs) that's, that's the way to balance the scales in your taper. Um, yeah, it's a tough thing. I think the taper is. is honestly the hardest part of it all. Cause you're yep. just so used to like your routine and running. And then all yep. of a sudden right. you just, you know, you reduce your volume by quite yep. a bit and it's, right. it's so different for your yep. mind and your body. And Absolutely. yeah, the taper tantrums are so real. <laughs> they are. So they real. are. <laughs> I, I think some people overuse the taper as well because if you're training and things feel good, the taper is not as necessary. You don't have to drop in volume. If you're feeling good, there's no reason to. And that's mm-hmm. where, where the volume part comes in. So, you know, it's it's just if you've trained a lot, right? Because you've just come from your high volume phase and, and for Hellbender, obviously a lot of vertical gain. So if your legs are tired, that's when, yeah, the taper really helps. But if that period hasn't really drained you, you don't need either as long of a taper or as much of a taper, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, we've got you... Uh, uh, you went out, you went up and over Snooks down Green Knob, um, and now you're in Neal's Creek. You're picking up your poles. Um, where where are you in the race? What's what position? Do you know where you are? <laughs> oh yeah, um, at least for the females, not for the males. Um, so yeah, I think still a bunch of males ahead of me. Um, and then for females, I was running with Allie, kind of yo-yoing. Allie mm-hmm. finished a second female, incredible performance. Um, so yeah, she was right there with me. I think we came into Neal's together. It was funny, like she'd be a little quicker than me on the snooks climb. And then I would, I would go down past her on the descent just cause I'm comfortable on those gnarly descents. So just kind of yo-yoing, but yeah, we came in together. Um, it was extremely overwhelming. I mean, shout out to all the volunteers and people out there, like <laughs> y'all were great, but coming out of the woods you're like in that <laughs> flow and then it's like people and cheering and yeah. it's like, Whoa, this is so much stimulation. That was, that was interesting. Um, but thankfully, yeah, my crew came to me and was like, Hey, we can create the car and th- we're going over here. And yeah, so I got my bib scan and just kind of tunnel vision. Like I got to focus on what I need to do. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I'd say even with Allie. Yeah. Kind of came in together for the women. And I don't know about the men. Yeah. 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 You were, you were in the top 10 at that point. Um, okay. yeah, when I was yeah. looking at live trail, um, okay. and, um, so, um, just for, for those that are listening, uh, Neil's Creek is the first crew spot. <laughs> so all the crews just get to Neil's Creek. Cause that's the first time they can see the runners. So, uh, there is, you know, a ton of people obviously there and it is kind of a, a circus. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a fun uh, circus. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot. <laughs> it is. It is a lot after you've been running in, in solitude for, you know, so many miles. Yeah. Um, but, um, Going out of that aid station, uh, you know, you've got the Mitchell climb ahead of you Um, and you've got your poles now uh, feeling, are you feeling more comfortable? Oh yeah. I knew, I don't know. I just had a feeling like once I got my poles, like it was on like, oh, there was this guy too. (laughs) We're coming down um, Green Knob and he, so I was like going a little faster down the hill and then I would go a little slower up the hill. Um, and he was like, Marissa, I know what your weakness is. It's climbs. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to show you <laughs> that stuff just gets me fired up. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Anyway. So I knew like, Oh, I'm about to get my poles and like, I'm going to be feeling good. And so, yeah, I knew 
kind of like, okay, this is where my race starts. Like, you know, the first two climbs are done. Um, you know, getting up to Mitchell is a big checkpoint, you know, that's, that's a lot of climbing in the first 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew, yeah, having those pulls, I knew I'd be in a good rhythm. Allie was right there with me and yeah, we kind of actually stuck together at Mitchell, which is cool. And, um, yeah, it was storming and coming down pretty hard. So that was fun to kind of have people around and mm-hmm. feeling good. Once I hit the, once I hit the bottom in Mitchell, I was like, I'm good now. Like I'm warmed up. I'm ready. No longer have that stale feeling like time to race, you know? So, yeah. 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 Uh, obviously you guys get up to the top of Mitchell. Um, you hit your aid station up there. Did the crew meet you up there? I did. Yeah. My parents actually, um, (laughs) drove through some crazy weather apparently to get up there. (laughs) Um, yeah, I thought it'd be a little too tight for my main crew to get up there. So yeah, my parents luckily enough came up there and, uh, just a quick aid. Cause I just kind of ran through, I didn't want to stop too much cause it was cold, um, and doggy and, you know, Mitchell is just so unpredictable with the weather and things like that. So right. yeah, quick aid, but I was able to see my crew and just get a little nutrition and bottles. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, now you hit the crest trail, uh, with the weather, you know, all the runners were like, it was just slip, you know, slippery. And mm-hmm. that's a tough section no matter what, but yeah. when you add the weather into that, um, oh my goodness. Um, so, um, so talk about the crest you're, you're going from Mitchell now down to Colbert's. Yeah. So I'd say that is the most technical, you know, section of the trail, definitely like or the race, um, crest to like that first chunk of Colbert's, um, that was my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the race. I just love gnarly, nasty, crazy. The <laughs> hardest ever is like my thing. So anyway, I was just loving every minute of it. I was up on the crest just by myself, just in a flow and just, I don't know. I just appreciate that trail so much. It's like the coolest trail around, you know, it's just every time I'm up there, I just get this feeling of like, like I get to be up here and very appreciative of the trail. And yeah, it was gnarly. It was slidey. I was probably sliding on my butt, but, um, I was my, my mantra for that section was efficiency and safety, efficiency and safety. Like don't do anything stupid, but like move efficiently and just be safe. So had some gloves on to keep my hands warm, had my Houdini on with my hood up and just kind of tunnel vision, like made it through. And for the last mile or so, the sun came out for me and it was beautiful. Like it was just, you know, when it's pretty up there in the crest, it's just, Mm, it's just so cool. So anyway, yeah, that was, that was a really cool section. It kind of just flew by because I was just in a, a really good flow and yeah, hit the top of Colbert's and I passed a bunch of people going down the Colbert's descent. Um, I don't know. I just kind of was in my flow, I guess, just kind of doing my thing and yeah, passed a few people and yeah, I got to the bottom and I was like, here I, like, here I am. We're almost like, that was kind of like the half, half point for me, yep. you know, it was like, that was a big checkpoint. So that was exciting to get to that point. Did you pick up any pacers along the way? Yeah. So Caleb, um, he's a local Caleb Gatish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he was going to meet me at the Colbert's Creek church, but he okay. ended up, I guess he was a little early or I was running a little behind my schedule and he came to meet me at the bottom of Colbert's and that was super, it was just a morale boost. I was like, Oh my gosh, I know you like, <laughs> cause I didn't, I was pretty much alone. Like besides yo-yoing with Allie a bit, like we we're kind of both doing our own thing, but we're together. Like I was, I didn't have any people to like really talk to that much. So it was cool to be like, Hey, like I'm here and the crest was awesome. And culprits <laughs> was so cool. You know, it was fun to just like, you know how you get, you're just so excited to tell someone about what's been happening. So he picked me up. We ran to the aid station together and yeah, he stayed with me all the way through Curtis Creek. Nice. 
kudos to him because yeah that was a rough <laughs> section yeah. yeah yeah the old bunkum horse trail um especially yeah. with all the rain and stuff that <laughs> yeah that was fun <laughs> how are you yeah how are yeah. your feet holding up were they were they okay um you know that's a good question they really i don't know when they started forming like terrible blisters and i actually got this gnarly like bruise on the back of my right heel from i think mm. my shoe just hitting it like from all the descents, I guess yeah, I've never yeah. had that, but I think it's like this bruise situation. Anyway, I don't know when all that started, but I really started feeling it like Curtis Creek. Am I like 80? Yeah, yeah. I think I was just so focused that I was like, didn't pay attention to my feet, but all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah. Like I have huge bubble blisters and like <laughs> <laughs> something's going on with my heel, but they were fine there. Like I didn't feel anything terrible. So knock on wood, they, they held up through there for sure. Did you switch yeah. out shoes or socks or anything at any point? I did not. That's something I'll have to think about for the future. Um, I guess for me, like I was so focused on so many other things that like, that was just kind of like out, you know, it, it wasn't really <laughs> what I was focused on, I guess. Like it wasn't painful enough for me to have to change them. And I sure. knew in my head, like, I'm not going to stop to change clothes or shoes or anything unless it's like negatively affecting my performance. And it was not. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, so we've taken you, uh, we've, we've, we've gone through the swamp that is the Bungham Horse Trail. Um, you've come down South Toe back into Neal's Creek. Um, what's going on? Uh, what's, where are you at? Yeah. What you thinking? Oh, I was riding such a high. That was like, you know, that section from Colbert's Creek to Curtis was the, I don't want to say the easiest section, but almost the easiest section. I mean, we got annihilated with rain and we were freezing and my hands were cold and I couldn't <laughs> eat anything. I mean, it was crazy, but it was just, I was just such tunnel vision and just like, keep moving, just keep going. And I'm, we almost ran every single step of that section for better or for worse. So yeah, coming into Neil's, I was feeling really strong, um, and such a good flow and just, yeah, just ready to keep, keep moving on to Curtis. Um, Sam Reed was at the Colbert's Creek aid station. And he said something like whoever runs miles 70 through 80, like has a good chance of winning. And I kind of had that in the back of my head and, you know, I was able to run that section and it was just like, I was just cruising, I think, and feeling good mentally. And yeah, it was, it was a good section. Very positive. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those that don't know Sam Reed, he was the 2019, uh, overall winner and, um, I hate to say course record holder because we've never had the same course twice, but, um, that, so yeah, he, his yeah, he, time he is knows. phenomenal. <laughs> he knows, he knows a thing or two about the course. Um, yeah. so real good mental state moving through. Um, do you know where Allie is at this point? I have no idea. So the last time I saw Allie until the finish line was Mitchell. I never mm -hmm. saw her again. Um, but I knew, I mean, I knew she's determined and I knew <laughs> she was, she could just show up, you know? So <laughs> I had in the back of my mind, like nothing's guaranteed till you cross that finish line. I had right. no idea if I had a chance of winning until I got to that finish line. So I was worried the whole time, which yeah. was good. I think, you know, have another competition out there makes you perform better. And she pushed me and I pushed her. And I think it made us both have better races. So yeah. that's awesome. So yeah. you said you dropped uh, Caleb off at Curtis yeah. Creek. Uh, did you pick anybody up to the finish or? Yep. I picked up Ryan at Curtis. So he was with me for the last 25 or however many miles that ended up being kind of a blur, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Caleb stayed with me. Kudos to him. We were both kind of struggling down Curtis. <laughs> uh, he was like really nauseous and I was just like, 
I don't know, I wasn't struggling, but just like, you know, at the point where I started to get really mentally foggy, stuff like that. So it was a, it was a fun time. That's yeah. why you do it, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. All, all those mental challenges. Yep. Um, and, and you said Ryan, right? Ryan brought you into the finish. Ryan brought me in the finish. Super happy to have him there. Um, yeah, we have a good, you know, coach athlete relationship, I think. And he just knows what I need. He knows what I need to hear at that point. And he's, he's really good at being matter of fact and just telling me how it is. And that's exactly what I need. Um, that's just what I thrive on. So he was, he was really good to that last section. It was nice to pick up new person, new mental energy. He actually hadn't seen that section of the course either. So it was cool to like, you know, be with someone who's hadn't seen it and be like, yeah. Oh yeah, this is Newberry. Cause he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is like a super groomed trail. It's like a trail in Colorado. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like this is one of the coolest, like oh my descents gosh. to do or Client, you know yeah yeah I, I remember working on that trail <laughs> oh, God. yeah when we adopted it I mean it was I can't tell you how many trees we cut and you know how much tread work we did but it's uh it's it's a great trail and I'm so glad it's that great. it's still existing um because yeah. <laughs> it, it is such a and I didn't realize that was Ryan um my apologies Ryan if you're listening <laughs> sorry dude I did like in my brain fog <laughs> like I didn't <laughs> yeah, realize sorry. it was Ryan um but that uh-huh. that's tremendous so yeah, he brings you into Camp Greer. Uh, you know, you've got the uh, uh, um, the well, I don't know if you knew you were third place overall, but um, you, you know, you, you knew you secured the the women's win. Um, yeah. it was it was wonderful seeing the smile on your face. Um, I, I could see the uh, the emotion of, of what that meant. So talk yeah. about your talk about your finish, please. Yeah. So, you know, it um. I guess backtracking a little bit, once I hit that South Toe River aid station, that's where things like, that's where, that's where shit hit the fan. Um, (laughs) I was like, oh man, like I'm in for it on that descent. That descent was brutal. I mean, that, that is a really good end to that race. That really (laughs) puts the icing on the cake. (laughs) Your quads are trash. You're going down that little boulder section. Oh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that section was like, that's, that's where like in hindsight, I was like, this is why I came to do this race. Cause that's where I experienced that. Like my brain telling my body, you can't run and like trying to override that stuff mm. like that. And just like had a little bit of hallucinations here and there and just like so mentally done. And I was like, this is why I do these hundreds or this is why I signed up for a hundred. But anyway, so yeah, coming down there, like that last section was just mentally. So, um, just tough, I guess. I don't know what the right word is for that section, just hard. And yeah. Um, I didn't allow myself to think about the finish line until I knew at Jarrett Creek, like the last three miles of it was a downhill. And I was like, once I hit that, I'll start thinking about the finish, but I didn't want to get too far ahead of myself. So yeah, once I hit that, like just tried to run as the best as I could. I don't even know if I was running or not, (laughs) um, you know, coming to camp Greer and I was on the verge of crying those last, you know, that last mile or so I was just, it's just everything, you know past six yeah. months of my life have been dedicated to that. And I just, yeah. everything came on in me and yeah, I finally crossed that finish line and just <laughs> broke down. And it was cool to see you standing there with the, with the buckle. <laughs> and yeah. Um, it was, it was like, I'd say one of the best moments of my life for sure. Nice. It was, it was really special and <laughs> yes. having everybody out there. was just, it was just really special. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it, it filled me up. You know, I just yeah. being there at the finish line. It definitely, I mean, it's it's wonderful seeing people come across. The oh line. yeah. You know, uh, I said in my my post race email, like I, I don't think I've ever weeped more in my life because mm-hmm. it is you know just seeing everybody's emotions. 
because uh, you're just yeah. so raw at that point you've been oh, through yeah. everything and you know it's you're exhausted and you're just recognizing the journey that you've been through and this is the culmination so it's, it's yeah fantastic. i think i that's bet the best part. i bet you i would cry so much if i was standing <laughs> yeah. there watching people. oh god I mean, abby and i were both you know we were both like yeah. just you know holding it back and trying to be <laughs> trying to be uh smiling and not and not cry too much but it was uh -huh. yeah, it's fantastic i mean and, and congratulations yeah. as a, a heck of a you ran uh 26 15 31 um yeah. which was tremendous absolutely tremendous we are feeling like this course is about 30 minutes slower than its predecessors mm -hmm. um, okay that's a cool what, comparison yeah yeah that's, that's what we're kind of gauging um, so, um, yeah. man, um, you, you talked about a few lessons, uh, you know, number one, you said polls, you would have had those earlier, um, mm -hmm. two potential of, of gear swaps. If you needed that, were there any other lessons that you took away? Um, like things that like I learned for the future. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's a great question. I think I learned a lot. I'm definitely still processing. Um, I think the biggest some of the biggest things that stand out, like I'm one of those people that's very self-critical and just like, what can I work on? What can I work on? So the things that come to mind are like aid station efficiency. So I did a lot of work pre-race to like organize my aid stations and stuff like that. But at some of them, I just had too many decisions to make. Um, like I had way too much nutrition and it's like, you know, I'm not like 70. It's like, I can't make decisions of like, if I want this human gel or this spring gel. So it's like, I need to work on that for the future, just minimizing decisions, just being quicker, like, you know, just being like, this is what I have at this aid station. And you know, this is what I'm going to do. I should have emptied more stuff out of my pockets and my best. It got so heavy near the end. Um, that was something I learned. Um, I think those are the biggest things. And then I just had so many positive takeaways from just the people out there. I mean, the people and, you know, the volunteer, that's what makes this race. It's just such a special community. And so those are really my biggest lessons. Just like, this is such an incredible thing. And I, yeah, I mean, kudos to you. I can't fathom how you do this. I, <laughs> I feel like I was just one little person just running through the course and you had all these people out there. I mean, there was a guy at the top of Newberry at like two or three in the morning cheering me on. I was like, this is just phenomenal that you're able to get all these people. It's just, it's really uh, special. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's what I it said. Really we have is. an amazing community. It's just, as you said, it was, mm -hmm. uh, it's an army. It really is. It's just yeah. a, a force this, this, you know, and I mean, it, it, I learned from everybody. I learned from all the races I do too. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. just plugging in what I learned. And I mean, yeah, Marissa, you're wonderful. <laughs> I can't believe this performance was outstanding for your first hundred. That's just phenomenal i'm so proud of you i'm so Thank happy you. for you Thanks. i'm so glad that came to fruition for you um and uh man <laughs> i can't wait to to hear what's next i love what you said before we started recording if you want to share with the folks um you know your thoughts about you know what you're thinking and how you're processing what to do next yeah and this is something gotta give credit to my coach for but um i you know i think we all tend to you know, do a race and then we're on ultra sign up the next day, whether it's because we DNF'd or it's because we had such an awesome race and we want to get that again. So anyway, um, you know, of course I've been on ultra, ultra sign up and thinking about KTs, but the, the lesson that I, yeah, I guess want to share is like, you, you should write down what you want to do, like a race or FKT that you're thinking about, and then say why I think the why is the most important thing. And then come back to it in two or three days. If you want to do it, if you still want to do it, then keep it on the list. And if you don't, then, you know, let it go. It's just, yeah, you've got to have the why 
you know, got to have the passion, got to have the emotional drive. That's, that's why you, you get through these things. I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's a great lesson. Oh, well, Marissa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us at Hellbender. Congratulations once again. Um, and, uh, obviously you're, um, you're on social media, you're on Strava. Um, do you want to share any way people can connect with you? Yeah. I mean, I'm on Strava. Um, I sometimes remove myself, uh, (laughs) just because, you know, the mental side of things and yeah, I'm on Instagram uh, and that's pretty much what I do. Yeah. I just kind of post whenever I feel like it, but yeah, um, you can find me if you want, but (laughs) yeah, I don't do much. (laughs) Um, but yeah, thank you, Aaron. I mean, this was, I can say like the, it was the best day of my life and (laughs) I can't thank you enough for providing that experience. It's It still makes me emotional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <got> me touched. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Marissa. Yeah. Once again, congratulations to both our, our overall winners, uh, Jonathan Iback and Marissa Romeo. I'm so happy for both of you. What a, what a day, what, a, how it unfolded. Incredible. Um, so the race itself, my goodness. Um, we started with 118 runners, um, I believe if I have my math correct, we had 69 finishers. Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a tough day out there. Um, uh, in the, uh, in the men's race, um, obviously we had Jonathan Eibach first in 22 hours, 53 minutes and 57 seconds. He was our only person to break 24 hours. Um, William Weedman was in second. Uh, he ran 25, 13, 51. Uh, then, um, the third male, uh, which was fourth overall, having Marissa taken third overall. Our third male was Mike Cooper. Mike ran 26 hours, 50 minutes, and 18 seconds. On the women's side, uh, again, Marissa winning in 26-15-31. Allie Carlton was second in 27 hours, 22 minutes, and 7 seconds. And our local, another local, um, one of uh, the B groupers uh, I've watched um, – Tara Jordan, uh, come along and grow in our sport, and it's been tremendous. I'm so happy to see her in third place. She ran 28 hours, 51 minutes, and 11 seconds. It was thrilling to see her finish. So congrats to all of our finishers. Um, I coached 12 out of the 118, so I basically had about uh, 10% of the field, as you heard me say, with Marissa. So seeing my my runners out there, it was amazing. Seeing everybody out there was phenomenal. Um, I tried to stay uh, at Curtis Creek. I was there until the last runner came through, and then I moved on. I ran over to, I had a ride up to the parkway, and then ran down to Neal's Creek, um, and, and stayed there until the last finisher. Now, typically, I go up to Mount Mitchell after that, but um, it was getting kind of late and I figured I needed to get back and, and get some rest. And it was a good thing I did. Um, <clears throat> there were, I, I can't tell you how many behind the scenes things went on. And I'm grateful if none of the runners had any hiccup in this race, other than the weather, the weather obviously was the contributing factor to so many DNFs. Um, you know, the, the, the temperature dropped, we had uh, three rainstorms and up high that turned to hail, um, up on Mitchell, we had 55 mile per hour winds. I was, you know, just communicating with my aid stations, just seeing how is the weather, how is everybody, is everybody okay? We sent a van up there in case there were any runners that just needed to take shelter and warm up. Uh, you know, this is a, a bad case scenario for hypothermia, so um, we, we, you know, we sent the van up there. Um, but again, you know, you always question yourself as a race director, should I cancel 
because of the weather. Um, you know, are my runners going to be okay? That's that's what you worry about, obviously. And um, you know, obviously, we decided to continue the race. Um, thankfully, no one was seriously injured or hospitalized or had a severe case of hypothermia. Um, everybody, you know, once they got off the mountain, um, you know, if they dropped, they warmed up and they were okay. Um, it was scary. It was some scary weather, uh, obviously, you know, and, and again, you always question yourself, did I do the right thing? Um, I've talked to a number of runners and, you know, they, they felt like it it was the right call. Like, you know, it was, um, a lot of times the, the runners just didn't have enough gear. They got down to Colbert's Creek after coming off of Mitchell and it was so warm. They just dropped layers, not thinking about going back up. So, um, you know, even though I stressed how cold it can be going up high, uh, you're not thinking all the time, you know, it's, and so on my part, I'm already thinking, what can I do to make sure, you know, uh, coming back out of Colbert's that they are prepared for going back up, um, Buncombe horse trail and up to higher, uh, elevations and being exposed. So, um, you know, you're always thinking of how you can address these things. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'll pump my return to Camp Greer from, uh, from Niels Creek. Um, I had, uh, uh, a communication from one of my aid stations that a tree had fallen and they couldn't get to the aid station. So we had to, uh, um, you know, scramble, find a chainsaw, get somebody out there that was, uh, you know, uh, permitted to cut in the national forest, uh, which it came to, uh, Victor Mariano, my, my Ray hand person. Um, he got out there and, and got the tree out of the way and got our volunteers back to the aid station. Um, yeah, it's just, there were so many calamities, um, you know, just so many things that, that transpired. That was crazy. I, you know, I, I honestly, I've never problem solved that much in my life. Um, you know, especially in a race. Um, and I said it before the race, I said, you can make every preparation to, you know, try to plan for every contingency and something always comes up. And it did. Um, you know, we tried to be ahead of everything we could and still things pop up that, you know, surprised us. And, you know, we just did our best to, uh, to remedy the situation, um, you know, to make things, uh, to make things right. Um, you know, I had a, an email when I got back, um, from the, uh, the, the Mills Creek, um, land conservancy. I, I, I'm, it, they own the property up by the parkway on the toll road, which I didn't know. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I thought that that, the toll road was, um, where we were was, uh, was forest service. And, uh, you know, they corrected me. Uh, I had a conversation with the president of the association. Um, I of course apologized profusely cause we were trespassing. Uh, we did not have the permission. So that was, uh, you know, just a, an eye opener for me. Um, and I'm, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm being upfront and, uh, and transparent with everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I said, you know, what can I do to make it right? I, I emailed my insurance company right away and had them, uh, added as additionally insured, um, and communicated again, you know, my profuse, uh, apologies for, for not, uh, obtaining the right permissions. Um, and these things happen, you know, I, I, I mean, we talked about it with, uh, um, with races that, you know, are going on now. Um, you know, I had been doing it since 2018 and not known that's, that's on me. That's my bad. Um, I, I take responsibility for that and, uh, I'm trying to remedy the situation. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've emailed them post race and then let them know, you know, that uh, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to be the best stewards that we can and, and, you know, have the correct relationship. So, um, if they don't permit us back up there, I understand we screwed up that, well, I screwed up. I'll take that. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we'll have to uh, adjust the course. So, um, but that happened, <laughs> um, you know, on, uh, on Friday night and, uh, 
it was a sleepless night. You know, my phone was constantly buzzing, just, you know, texts and phone calls and this and that. And, you know, it, it rightfully so people needed to connect with me and I'm glad they could. You know, I, if, if I was at Neal's Creek, they probably couldn't have connected with me and I, I wouldn't have been to resolve these situations. So, um, you know, I, it's, um, it's all part of being an RD. Uh, and I'm just trying to give you a look behind the scenes of things that go on. Um, but like I said, uh, I, from the runner's perspective, I hope that they did not see a hiccup. I hope that, you know, they had a great experience, um, from, from start to finish aside from the, you know, the, obviously the, the wretched weather that, that we faced there. Um, but you know, it's, uh, weather is one of those X factors. Um, but you know, uh, being drained by all of these things, I was quickly refilled by watching the finishes and seeing the, the raw, you know, display of emotion. As I said, when I was talking with Marissa, uh, you know, my heart was filled. I was so happy. Uh, it's the best part of the race is seeing folks come across the finish line, handing them their buckles and hearing their stories. Um, although, you know, I, I didn't get to, to hand everybody a buckle, um, that such as a hundred miler. Um, it would be great if, <laughs> if we could have a hundred percent finish rate, but you know, typically in a hundred miler, especially as tough as hellbender and with the weather we faced, that's just not a reality. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry to those runners that couldn't cross the finish line. You know, we, we pour, we pour our hearts and souls into these races. Um, and we, you know, we, we, we spend so much time trying to make things as best as we can for the runners. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that reflected in this race, uh, in Hellbender. I hope that folks that don't know anything about Hellbender will check it out. If you're looking for a mountain race, uh, you know, sincerely, I hope you'll check out Hellbender. Um, Carl Metzler was supposed to be there. Um, he was on Talk Ultra and, and said, you know, I, I wish I could be there. It's the best coast, uh, best course on the East Coast. And that's phenomenal to hear that coming from Carl. I, I really sincerely appreciate that compliment. Um, and I can't say that this is all me. No, it's not. Uh, as I said, you know, Victor Mariano did a tremendous amount. Abby Harris, or now Abby Ainsworth, she did uh, so much, uh, you know, everything I could ask, social media, um, the website, um, participant guide. You know, Abby was uh, just instrumental in this. Bart Smith for helping me with permitting. You know, we had to communicate with Forest Service, National Park Service, state uh, parks, all of the emergency services within two counties. It's There is a lot. The North Carolina Department of Transit. I mean, so many people have to go into being touched, you know, and be in touch and have permitted. Um, so you know, Bart was instrumental in that. So thank you, Bart. Um, also, uh, Dr. Kyle Judkins, uh, he was our medical director. And they were on uh, on point you know i got to see them in action got to see them dealing with uh with folks that were having problems and the medical was on point i'm so happy they were there i felt a lot safer due to that um uh, so thank you to kyle for that uh, uh craig peterson craig peterson was our our partner uh he he found our sponsors and our partners and i thank him for that you know being a part of that that was huge that helps keep the race going and it, it helps us within the race you know we had a lot of our our partners be engaged in the race you know, they're at the aid stations uh luke had just running clark from fleet feet asheville bill from mountain running company sarah from um the range urgent care it's it's phenomenal to uh to have these people be uh, you know engaged and a part of this uh all those at the run 828 foundation for their support and their their contributions to this um megan robinson tom sharkey um 
and uh, Tori Greaves, Mary Koppenheffer, uh, you know, all of those guys. They're just phenomenal in supporting this this event. And to all my volunteers, we had, uh, you know, over 125 volunteers that made this go. Uh, it, it, without them, it doesn't go. <laughs> There's no way. So to all my volunteers, you know, those that stayed on the parkway, just making sure our runners were safe getting across and in the middle of the night, that you guys are incredible. Um, aid station volunteers, the, the sag wagon drivers, everybody, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It's more than I can say uh, how much you mean to me into this race. So thank you to my volunteers. Um, and to all that ran, I, I tip my hat off to you for towing the line at this event. It is one of the tougher races. Uh, absolutely. And it, you know, it maybe not necessarily because of the climbing, but because of the descents, these are some huge long descents that will just obliterate the best of us. And so I understand. And the weather, like I said, the weather made it exponentially harder. So, um, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being a part of this race. And, you know, to, uh, to anybody else that I missed, my apologies, um, my, my just sincerest and, uh, and happiest moments that the race is, uh, has gone through. I'm hoping, you know, 2023 comes and, and we can keep the same course um, and keep moving forward. So um, we'll be announcing the 2023 date um, as soon as we can. Um, we have an idea for it. It's just making sure that it's okay with all of our entities. And, uh, so stay tuned for that new date. Um, photographs should be coming out. We should have those by the week's end. I will send those out, uh, a link to the photos and everything. So thanks to Pete, uh, Schreiner for his contribution in photography. He was tremendous out there on the course. So I uh, can't forget to thank Pete. Um, and, uh, oh man, just, you know, thanks to the, the local law enforcement. <laughs> we had some keys that got locked in a van. They came and, and, and unlocked the van for us. Like I said, it was just one, <laughs> one thing after another. So, um, but thank you all. Thank you so much for being a part of Hellbender. Thank you for making Hellbender what it is. And, um, I really, I sincerely can't wait till next year on the MR running pain side of things. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, you know, I had said that I would open up some coaching spots after Hellbender. <laughs> I've already had uh, a number of folks reach out to me, which I laugh just because it just means so much to me. Um, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, people are looking for this service and that they come to me. I really, it, it touches my heart. Um, it means a lot to me. Um, gosh. Uh, so, I am, you know, uh, going to open up spots for clients. Uh, so if you are interested in having a conversation about coaching, please do reach out to me. This is a good time. Uh, going into the summers, I have so many less activities. <laughs> so I have a lot more time to focus on coaching. So if, if that's a conversation you want to have, um, you can check it out my website, mrrunningpains.com, and see how to connect with me. Uh, also in the show notes, all the ways to connect with me. So uh, if you want to have that conversation, please reach out. Uh, it's been such a busy week, uh, you know, trying to catch up with Hellbender. Um, I have thought about the newsletter, <laughs> but I have not had the moment to, uh, to work on it, you know, trying to get this podcast together and wrap up everything for Hellbender. So um, it, it might be a little bit before I get back to the newsletter. Um, but, uh, you know, that is forthcoming. A lot of ideas in my head, uh, a lot of things to talk about. I'm so happy to be back to, uh, to getting back to regular training. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, with Hellbender, I just didn't have a lot of time to get in a lot of training that and my hamstring was cranky. Um, so 
it was a good time just to kind of uh, make sure I focused on what was necessary. And uh, now I have the time again, so I'm back to, to getting my runs in. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really happy <laughs> to be training for Bigfoot again. It feels great to, to go out for a run. I'm looking forward to getting out in the woods this weekend. Uh, I really just need uh, <laughs> a good long run in the woods. Uh, be able to process everything that's transpired and, and gone through. Um, and, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about when you just need to get out for a good long run. And that's, that's what I need this weekend. Um, but everything else is, uh, you know, it's, it's moving right along. Um, I, I'm, we're, uh, we're going to get back in the full swing of having regular guests on the, uh, the MR running pains podcast. Um, uh, you know, perhaps some more folks from Hellbender kind of talk about their experiences. Um, love to have Tara Jordan on talk about her cause that was her first hundred miler. Um, yeah, she's a, a great story. Um, love to talk with Tara. So we'll, we'll try to make that happen. Um, if you guys have any ideas or anything that you want to hear specifically or ideas about training, if you're you know curious about a certain um, technique or aspect of training, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I love you know talking about topics and answering questions. So uh, you can reach out through whatever avenue is best to you, uh, whether it be social media, Strava, email, whatever it is. You know, go through my website. However, you want to you know connect with me. Happy to take questions. Happy to answer them. Uh, you know, if if, if it's uh, you know worth just a, a quick email answer, so be it. But you know, it might be a whole podcast episode. So. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for keep reaching out. Um, you know, thank you for listening and being a part of this. It's, uh, it's just a, you know, a labor of love as, as is coaching, as is putting on hellbender. It's all a labor of love. I'm enjoying everything I do right now. Um, my kids, uh, in the high school, they are, uh, they've got regionals, uh, this weekend, uh, on Saturday. So, um, hopefully a number of them will qualify for the state meet. I'm excited for their opportunities, uh, and for what the future holds, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, a it's a good time right now. And I hope you're enjoying your training. I hope you're enjoying everything that you do right now. And I can't wait to talk to you next time, but until then keep running my friends.